Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, the victory horns have sounded. And they have sounded for Armin Sarukian, and they have also sounded for the University of Alabama. Don't you fucking we'll dare. About- <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we'll talk more about that later, I'm sure. Uh, but welcome, everybody, to the UFC Austin post-fight show here on MMAfighting.com. We're, we're kind of bridging the gap between a crazy UFC card, what has already begun to be a crazy BKFC card. We're going to do a little watch party a little bit later on once this wraps up. But just a lot happening right now. I am Mike Heck. And joining me is Mr. Jed Mishu. He is not overly thrilled with how things played out in the SEC championship game today. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Fire him. Fire him now. Get him off the staff immediately. Oh, my career has been a tough day. Thank goodness for some pretty sick fights because I'd be in a dark place right now without them because... You ever have like a nightmare and you think, man, I really hope this doesn't come true. And then you have to live your nightmare. The thing that you were dreading, you know, it's fun when it's like, oh, I was dreading this thing. and I shouldn't have been. It wasn't that bad. Nope. Nope. It's just actually exactly what you thought it was going to be. And it's excruciating to watch it happen in real time. That was my day, Mike. So thank you, Armand Sarukian, because without you, I'd have nothing good going on right now. Fire Mike Bobo now. I don't think the show can get much better than that. Good night, everybody. Thank you for watching. Uh, Shaheen Al-Shadi will be joining us in a matter of moments as well. But you mentioned it, Jed Mishu. Armin Sarukian, he's, I mean, he's that guy. Just goes out. He just obliterates Benil Dariush. This is wild. I don't know how he did it. Landing the knee that was partially blocked, but then before his foot even hit the ground, he lands a right hand that puts Darius essentially unconscious. Like this was 
this is a level up that a lot of people are hoping to see. And I'm not surprised by it. It, it just, I just, this is who I've always thought he was. And I think the road just took a little bit longer because he's just one of those guys that just kind of fights the level of his competition. If he fights a really good dude, he's going to fight really, really well. If he fights a guy that he doesn't deem as good, kind of fights the level of his competition. That's something he needs to fix down the road. But boy, oh boy, did he deliver tonight after kind of a crazy week in Austin. Yeah, I mean, he you can't do better than this, right? Like this is the A++ of all performances because you're right. Like the the concerns coming in for him were like pretty open. Like he everyone was still super high on him, you know, but when you're getting to that top, the footing, like the higher you climb, the footing gets way trickier. And so it's we want to see him blowing the doors off people like Joaquin Silva, you know, like Joaquin Silva, no disrespect, a quality fighter. He struggled like pretty hard with clay guida who has been washed for years and like yes surukian beat walking silva but like that fight was a was a contest like there were that was competitive in spots it, it was not a walk in the park and so you see this dude with all his talent and you want him to absolutely embarrass the people that shouldn't be in the cage with him and he kind of hasn't done that um you know this is – I mean this is obviously his best performance by a mile, his biggest win, and that's what you want to see. It's certainly what I wanted to see. I think we talked about in the preview show. Hadn't seen him level up in the way that you had hoped, uh, and that's not just a him issue. Like a lot of the kind of next crop of lightweights, we all projected to make this this giant leap, and it was a much more slow build with Jalen Turner and Rafael Fazeev and Matush Gamrat, these dudes – Tonight, I mean, warp speed, Captain Sulu, Armand Sarukian just launched himself into the top five. And, and we can get into a whole bunch of stuff about this fight, but I don't think it's the fight that will happen. It's not the fight I would even book next if I had the power of the pin for meritocratic reasons. The fight I most want to see in all of MMA, other than John Jones versus Tommy Aspinall, which we know won't happen because John Jones is afraid. <laughs> the fight I want most is Islam Makachev versus Armand Sergeyan too. Like that's that that is the best fight that can be made in the sport right now, as far as I'm concerned. And hopefully, if not 2020, like not back into 2024, hopefully we can get that in 2025. So Armin went on the post-fight show with Karen Bryant and Michael Chiesa, who just, I mean, just living the Austin dream with that shirt he was wearing. Uh, so he called out Justin Gaethje. Call out Justin Gaethje if he cannot – he wants the title shot, but if he can't get the Islam Makhachev rematch, he wants Justin Gaethje. I don't think he's getting either of those fights, but do, do you like the gusto here? Because honestly, like after just washing out Benil Dariush as emphatically as he did tonight, I mean there's really no other way to go here. Like you can't fight Bobby Green now. That doesn't make any sense. It certainly didn't make sense to do it in the hotel to begin with. But like Dustin Poirier is a fellow ATT guy. So, I mean, as cool as that would be, and maybe they would like make it work. I don't think that fight happens. So it's kind of like Gaethje or you're the backup fighter and he's probably not getting Gaethje. So I like the call out just because I don't think he's got really anywhere else to go right now. Right. I think – your best hope 
uh, I think that's probably the sensible call out for the reasons you said, right? Like it, it seems most likely to me what I think should happen. And so maybe what he could have done instead uh, is call for Charles Oliveira. I don't think Charles Oliveira should get another shot at his Makachev. I think it's I thought it was dumb when we did it, the, when we were going to do it the first time. Uh, I think that we were only going to do it as a matter of convenience no disrespect to Charles Oliveira, Armand Sarukian just absolutely mushed Benny Darius far more impressively than the very impressive Charles Oliveira performance. Uh, I think Oliveira should have to fight again. If I had the power of the pin, I would just have Gaethje get his title shot that he deserves, and I would do Oliveira versus Sarukian as a full-blown, no doubt about it, title eliminator. I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think that that is a way he could have gone. Um, he could have just gone and been like, hey, Charles Oliveira, Oliveira, you were supposed to get a title shot, but then you backed out. I just beat the dude who got you a title shot more emphatically. Let's go. Um, because I, Justin Gaethje is just simply not going to take that fight. Uh, Oliveira probably won't either, but there's a world where the UFC makes Oliveira do it if it can be compelling. So would have been another way to go, but you're right. There's just there aren't a lot of choices for him at this point in time. I think he's simply just going to have to fight backwards, but you should never call out backwards. It's no reason to do that if you're in his position. Yeah. I mean, I think you just, you just insert yourself as the backup fighter and for the title fight, whenever that happens, you assume mm -hmm. that if you had to take a guess, it's probably going to happen on that Saudi Arabia card. So just it's definitely put yourself in position. So yeah. Yeah. Put yourself in position to be the backup fighter. And cause you, I don't think Gaethje's going to go over to Saudi Arabia and cut weight for nothing you could also just like if if what you're trying to do is more just be active than uh try and sneak into a title shot that you're very unlikely to get even as impressive as he was surukian still third in line at this point um he could have just gone gone for the game rock call out hey yeah. i don't think like you didn't beat me like we're both top five-ish dudes i thought that was a garbage decision i want to get that back let's Let's run it, um, which I personally think is probably the most likely outcome we get moving forward for Sarukian. Uh, but again, I don't have any issues with the call out. It's it's just weird. It was always going to be a weird situation given sort of the lay of the land at lightweight. This sport is just the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And this fight was everything that basically personified that because Arvin Sarukian is – about to grab the brass ring at 26 years of age, 27 years of age. And Benil Dariush entered the year on an eight-fight win streak, looking to get his title shot that he's been working so hard for. Takes a fight with Charles Oliveira, gets knocked out. We thought he was out of the title picture then. Somehow, they put this fight together. And the way this division has gone, he actually had the chance to get back in. And now we have to wish happy trails, Jed Mishu, to the Benil Dariush hopes for ever fighting for the title because it ain't going to happen now man this sport is could just break your heart can it not poor benil darius this is just yikes ouch yeah it sucks what a, what a tough hang he joins a long list of lightweights who have found themselves in this position uh because it's the most competitive weight class in the sport uh, and has been forever that people routinely get eight fight win streaks in this weight class and don't honestly even get close to fighting for a title jim miller uh didn't do it uh george sauteropolis didn't do it tony ferguson put 13 or whatever together and didn't fight for the real undisputed belt like benny's just sort of in that long lineage of guys who um and I, i'll be real i i kind of hinted at this a little bit in the preview show 
and I've I've sort of made this position known a, a little bit through my time is some of Benny's run was smoke and mirrors. Uh, again, it doesn't matter. Beating eight people in a row is impossible. It doesn't it doesn't matter if it's beating me and my friends or whatever. Like it's it's still just exceptionally hard to put together a win streak like that. But you do look at the competition. It's it's not quite the same level as like, oh, yeah, this guy was just absolutely cleaning out the upper echelon of lightweights. You know, we had moments against Scott Holtzman where you could see that you could attack him, that he he was frankly susceptible to getting hit, particularly getting hit early. Um, and he just kind of battled through. And so certainly that narrative is going to pick up a lot of steam. But mostly it's just – this is just how lightweight goes, man. And I, I say it all the time, not just in this weight class, but in others. It doesn't matter if you're awesome. Like you got to bring something to the table that makes your life easier or you're just not prize fighting right. Like credit to Benil Darius, she's one of the eight best lightweights in the world, right? And that means a lot. It's an incredible accomplishment. But if what your goal is, your mission statement, the reason to be here is to go fight for a belt – it's going to be a hell of a lot easier if you can be compelling outside of just winning because this is not a meritocracy. You're going to have to – if you approach it with I'll fight 100 times and that's the only thing you're ever going to say, you're going to have to fight 100 times to get there. Whereas instead, if you can just get people behind you in a real way, however it is, you have people that like you in your real life. Figure out what that is to make it work on a broader scale because that's going to make it easier for you to get there and not have to win 10 fights in a row. And Benny didn't do it and so he's – He's the victim of his own failings in that regard, and that sucks because you would love this to be a meritocracy. But if I had wheels, I'd be a wagon, man. And so I think one day Benil Darius is going to look back on his career and he'll be really happy with what he accomplished because he accomplished a lot. But he will also think, man, I would have loved my day in court, and I, I probably could have gotten it if I had just tried a little bit harder in some, some of the ways I was not willing to do. Some people downgrade the the importance of the microphone. I think it's super important. Look at Benil Dariush. Look at Bilal Muhammad right now. I mean, he's just waiting, just hoping and praying that Colby Covington does not win the welterweight title on December 16th because dude, if that happens, he's never fighting for the title. So dude, it's just a weird I think thing. everyone forgets how much Leon Edwards is the luckiest man alive because he didn't do it either. And they gave everyone else they could a shot over him before there were simply no other options. And like one, that's just, that's really unlikely at welterweight, a deep and good weight class. He kind of threaded the needle perfectly from a timing standpoint like that. That will never happen at lightweight. There will never be a dearth of viable other contenders at this weight class. You have got to stand out or be prepared to win 10 or 12 in a row. And, I got to tell you, it is way easier to just show some personality on a microphone than it is to string together 12 freaking wins at 155 pounds because that is borderline impossible. Very true. Uh, we have some breaking news. Uh, you can hit the music. We have two pieces of breaking news. One, as you can see on your screen, my bald brethren, Shaheen Al-Shadi is here. Uh, and What's Shaheen, up, can react to, and Shaheen can react to this bit of information. Uh, we have bonuses and we got a lot of them. A lot of bonuses. Uh, performance of the night, Armin Sarukian, Jalen Turner, Sean Brady, Dustin Stoltzfus, Misha Tate, Cody Brundage, Jakar Close, Jared Gooden. Fight of the night, 
Bellato versus Poteria. By the way, Bellato should be getting double bonus right now. If all the performances of the night are for are for the for the finishers, Bellato should get a bonus for finishing the duelist the way that he did and should be getting fight of the night. So he should be getting double bonus, but of course that is not what seems to have happened here. So, yeah, all the finishes besides Bellato get 50k. Bellato still gets 50k, but so does the duelist for his performance that fight was absolutely insane that fight was absolutely nuts which i'm sure we'll get into as well but uh shaheed your reaction to the bonuses and the armin sarukian train just going 175 miles an hour right now how happy are you mike heck you've been calling this for what like two years i remember you on a ranking way show longer like maybe maybe two and a half years ago calling this my god man that's a that's what you call a, a breakout performance that's what you call making a statement oh, that was that was unreal. Like we we spoke a lot about this fight just on the on the preview show on BTL, just amongst ourselves as well. I feel like we had a lot of different outcomes and scenarios for what we thought could happen. But sixty four seconds and in the way that he the way that that played out, like you look at the at the real time replay of it, like you could barely see the knee. That's how fast that whole thing was. That was obscene, man. That was absolutely obscene. And I, I'm sorry, I apologize. I don't know so far what you guys have covered. Uh, I'm sure you've already spoken about where Armand sits in this division. But to me, I, this is one of the rare moments where I bemoan how incredibly deep lightweight is because this man right now, the one we just watched tonight, deserves a title shot. And he's not going to get it. He's, he's just not going to get it. But I like what he's already doing. He's already begun to pivot. He was on the UFC post, post show just like five minutes ago, and he was calling for Justin Gaethje. And that's the fight. To be real, I know Justin's probably not going to take that fight, but realistically, in a meritocracy meritocracy world, that is the fight no. that should be happening. Yeah, it is. No, no, no. It, wh- why? Why no? Tell me no. Because because the fight that should in a meritocracy world, it's Charles Oliveira versus Armand Sarukian. Because Oliveira doesn't get a title shot from one win. Like you just that's fair. After getting I'm, absolutely I'm disregarding Charles. Gaethje I'm, gets his title shot. Gaethje gets I'm, a title shot. Oliver versus Sarukian, number one contender, no doubt about it. If I had the power of the pen, that was you weren't here for that. But that's like if I was in control, that's a, that's how I'd book it right there. That's fair. I'm just disregarding that though because that's not like we already know that the UFC is doing Charles and Islam, and that's already on the, sort of the plan. So if we're just working with the pieces that are left, like Armand Sarukian deserves that fight. Like what yeah. we've watched this guy do, this was like the great leveling up that you were calling for, Mike Heck, because we have seen like he, this man is a grappling demon. We have seen sort of the all around feats that this man has been able to pull off. You said you even called it that his striking is underrated. I don't know that that striking is underrated anymore. That was unreal, man. To do that to Benil Dariush in 64 seconds. This man's going to hold UFC gold before the end of his career. And, and to me, Jed, I want to ask you because you you have been maybe you've already said this. But you've been so high for a while saying that Justin Gaethje versus Islam is the most compelling version of an Islam fight for you right now, it, it, especially if Benil's sort of out of the picture. Would you say that Armand has taken that, taken that spot? Or do you still oh, hold yeah. true to Justin Gaethje? Yeah, I don't – Gaethje's not that compelling. I'm pretty confident how that fight goes. But I just want to see it because Justin Gaethje deserves it. And if there is a dude who I think could – you know, give Islam trouble would be Gaethje. I don't think people recognize enough like how much Gaethje was troubling Habib in that fight. And obviously a ton of circumstances in there, but um, like Gaethje has a set of tools that can be really problematic for Islam just because 
it's like this, like Gagey either can win or can lose really badly, which might seem less like less good than the other versions, which are just lose in increments of slow, right? Like they don't, I don't think Dustin Poirier can ever beat Islam Makhachev. I think he can lose less definitively than Justin Gaethje does. <laughs> I do think Justin Gaethje has the ability to randomly pull one out. Like, and that makes that more compelling. But no, the I would you weren't here for it, but I said that the number one fight I want the most in MMA, other than Tom Aspinall versus John Jones, which you know John won't take because he's afraid, is Islam Makachev versus Armand Sarukid too. Uh, it's not the fight I would book next for meritocratic reasons, but it is the fight that whenever it does get booked, I'm the most interested in in the entirety of the sport. Dude, I thinking about it now as we sort of have reached this position with Armand, because I didn't I wasn't sure if we were going to get here so soon. But we we certainly have after tonight, his rise and his sort of journey through the UFC is my favorite type of journey to follow as an observer of the sport, as a fan, as a reporter, someone who writes about this sport, what we have watched, what he said tonight was perfect. If I came in here as a 22-year-old kid and I fought Islam Makachev, and we all remember that fight. That fight was surprisingly competitive on short notice, and, and Armand Sarukian gave Islam all he could freaking handle at 22 years old. And what have we seen from him since? Basically, nine straight wins, right? Like, we all we all watched... Uh, we all watched. Well, I don't know why I'm blanking. We all watched the Gamrot fight. Like he he won the Gamrot fight. We know he won the Gamrot fight. Maybe he didn't officially win it, but I've watched that fight several times. Mike, you've said this before. He won that Gamrot fight. And to see the slow escalation of this young kid, this this kid coming in, 22 years old, getting thrown right into the fire and really showing out in a way that surprised everybody, to just going through the paces, going through, climbing up the ladder, that slow escalation, picking up different pieces to his game, evolving as we've seen it. Every single different performance, you're seeing different elements of his game rising to the challenge. And then this, where you get this sort of crowning moment, this multi-year journey. These are my favorite type of fight, fighters to watch their their journeys and their careers in the UFC of all of it. Like the, the flash in the pans, the, the quick starts are always cool. You get a Yuri Prohashka in here, who's already a known commodity, and in three fights or an Alex Pereira, and in a few fights, he's already fighting for a title. Like that's always very interesting and very cool in and of itself. But when you can watch the slow maturation of, of you know, really talented raw prospect to just this really incredible, ferocious contender, all around contender. It's so freaking cool, man. It is what makes this sport so wonderful. And I am just so, I'm so, I just cannot wait to see the conclusion of this journey, whether he makes it or not, whether he gets the belt and he's the one that, that beats Islam or not. I'm, I'm so invested now to see where this goes because this this was so impressive man i'm so deeply impressed by what i watched from armand saruki tonight 64 seconds guys like i get benil daryush maybe is not in his best moment anymore but god damn that was impressive yeah it really was and what's also impressive um okay i just want to make sure the the, the bonuses are correct boys we did a preview sh- we, we we did a preview show yesterday and we were talking about how armin just looked awful all because they released the video and he just looked terrible and it just shows you that and it's in every other sport as well but especially in mma winning solves all your problems solves them all no matter what you're going through no matter how people feel about you you go out and you show out when those lights are on especially in a main event and you get a big finish and you're the talking point of the entire card 
people forget about the other stuff. They forget it all. And Armin Surikin made people forget about everything that freaking happened in that hotel with that performance. So I expect him to be the backup for whatever title fight ends up happening next. And we'll see what happens. But she's Louise. He's he ending 2023 in a massive way. So big win for Armin Sarukian. But unfortunately, the Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Unfortunately, uh, the dream for Bobby Green has officially come to an end. And that's not even the story here. I'm so fucking angry about this fight. And it's not because Bobby Green lost. It's because Kerry Hatley deserves to be fired from all refereeing for the rest of his life. This was a absolute travesty. How you can do this. And you know what's crazy? This is the second worst refereeing job in Texas this year. If we're including the Fury FC bullshit that we saw earlier this year as well between Gianni Vasquez and Edgar Chirez, this is the second worst. And this is still probably the most egregious stoppage in the UFC that we have seen in a long time. Kerry Halley, you should be ashamed of yourself. What do you want? Bo- do you want Bobby Green to pull out a freaking Louisville slugger and bash him over the head? Like, what were you waiting for before you stopped this fight? This is an absolute travesty. He should not be allowed to referee in anywhere. Texas, Massachusetts, no. Idaho. I don't give a shit. That dude should not be allowed to ref anymore. That was horrible. And, and unfortunately, and I'll get to you. I'll go to you, Shaheed, on this. It almost ruins the moment for Jalen Turner because of how bad the stoppage was. This dude took this fight on eight days' notice. They announced this on Thanksgiving. Dude makes weight on the second attempt, this shocking moment, and he goes out and just knocks out Bobby Green, and the whole story is about the referee allowing this fight to continue way too long. It really pissed me off watching it, Shaheen, but I don't want to make it all about this. We should definitely talk about it because we won't learn anything from it, and referees won't learn from it if we don't. But Jalen Turner looked freaking awesome tonight on top of that. So, Shaheen, your reaction to all of it. Shaheen, I want to jump in here, if, if oh, I may. Please. Because, okay. Mike, I in general would agree with you. It's a very bad stoppage. I would like to extend a, a small caveat here, and it's that I think Kerry Hatley should referee one final fight, and it's me versus Mike <laughs> it's just Mike Bobo. Bobo. <laughs> Screw Mike Bobo. Let me fight him and Kerry Hatley be the ref. Put it in the PFL smart cage. I will break records on that thing. Now, please continue about uh, how awful that stoppage was. Because honestly, the first thing I thought was, wow, this is like borderline criminal. This is really bad. And the second thing, and I don't relish this part of it because it kind of hurts me that, to know that I'm a bad person deep down. But the second part of me is like, man. It'd be pretty cool if that was Mike Bobo down there right now. Like that would be – I'd be taking a lot of joy from from watching Jalen Turner just shave years off his life. So yeah, that's that's where I stand on that, Mike. Sorry, I had to interject. Fair. Shaheen, for a different kind of a take on this, your thoughts. 
Yes, I don't have very many bike bobo takes. I did not know that man existed until today when I saw Jed tweet about him 4,000 times. Uh, man, that was rough. And you're right. I think the most, there's two things that are unfortunate about this, right? One, that the fact that it happens because it was disgusting. Borderline criminal to me is an understatement. That felt criminal. Like that felt really gross, really disgusting, really horrific to watch in real time. So that in and of itself, that is a shame. And that's that's a, a terrible aspect of this. But then also what you said of like, it makes us overlook the actual performance from Jalen Turner, who came in here on short notice and clearly didn't want to be in this fight, was going through a bit of a rough patch in his career where he's down two over his last two. And like, they were both split decisions and they both could have gone his way. And he's just, it was kind of this weird inflection point of his career and the vibes were off with him all week. And yet he comes through in like one of the most spectacular performances of entire UFC career. And all of a sudden he's right back in there in that lightweight pecking order, which lightweight is just so damn good the fact that that's being overshadowed by this is unfortunate but we do need to talk about Kerry hatley because bobby green hit the canvas face down at 223 in that round 223 that fight was not stopped until 211 and and jalen turner was throwing punches the entire damn time what is that i i'm bad at math but i'm pretty sure that's 12 seconds 12 seconds of just unresponsive punches to the head of this man and those were not like rabbit punches those were really hard ground and pound punches that's that's that cannot happen, man. That cannot happen. I am so glad that Bobby Green is okay. I'm so glad that it seems like everything is fine. But that's how fucking people die in this sport, man. Like, that's how, if you if you want a death in the UFC, like, that's eventually how one maybe happens. Like, that was horrific. I have not seen the outpouring of outrage and the righteous fury from the from the chorus of the fighters like I saw tonight in, in a long time when it comes to a stoppage like that. And I understand, like, I'm usually amongst the people who are saying, hey, like, I'm, I'd am i rather go late than early just because, you know, in that kind of type of spot where Bobby Green was more or less like his whole career or where, what it could be with left over in the UFC was kind of riding on that moment. I understand wanting to give him a little bit of a break, wanting to give him a little bit more of a leeway. But like, dude, what the fuck were we watching with that? That was that was gross. That was absolutely gross. And Kerry Hadley is not some new ref. He is not some just Texas ref. And I know that we often get on Texas and the Texas commission for this type of thing because it seems like every time we go to Texas, really stupid stuff happens with the commission officials. Kerry Hadley referees all over the world. This is not the first time for him. This is not some big spot for him. Like he is just generally in these spots. He has to know better than that. That was egregious. Like you cannot have that, man. You absolutely cannot have that. Anything you want to add to this, Jed, besides it not being Mike Bobo? No. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it was really, really bad. Uh, I would love – uh, him to comment on this like again I, I tweeted immediately afterwards and was like this is really true I'm never the too late stoppage guy because I said on this program and many others many times like I don't care like let it go late like most fighters would rather fights get stopped late than early um, one or two extra shots is not going to like meaningfully really hurt somebody like we have enough data points to know that it's the repetitive beating not a couple of like a couple of shots that that in general do kind of long-term health affecting damage but this wasn't one or two extra shots this was like 30 of them <laughs> this was i there's just really not like a credible argument for why he didn't stop it uh i i truly don't know what he was looking at so yeah it was really bad but I don't want to focus on that because my boy is back 
y'all y'all forgot about Jalen Turner. There were there were people being like, oh, he's, he don't want to be here, and he didn't. He was very clear about that. Looked awful on the scales, and you know maybe is it smoke and mirrors? Maybe Bobby Green probably not as good as it, the number next to his name would suggest. But Jalen Turner is still a problem. And while we were doing all this, I just collected a name like a, a little list here real fast because I just want to read off. Uh, a collection of lightweights who are 30 years or like 30 years old or younger. Hafel Faziv, Jalen Turner, Armand Sarukian, Benoit Saint-Denis, Grant Dawson, uh, Usman Nurmagomedov, Joel Alvarez. Uh, we can also throw in Ishmael Bonfim, who's not like quite at that level, but, you know, 27. And if you add in Matush Gamrat at 32, dude, this division rocks. Think about the next 10 years with that crop of dudes plus a bunch of other ones coming in. Like, there's always going to be more coming. And I just listed off a list of eight hitters. Like, dudes who are absolute monsters and sick fighters to watch. Like, lightweight rules. And this weekend was a display of why this weight class kicks so much ass. I cannot wait to watch Jalen Turner fight Armand Sarukian at some point down the line or Benoit Saint-Denis to fight both of these dudes or like any of these various matchups because this weight division kicks ass and I'm not going to let Kerry Hatley bring me down because I've already had enough sadness in my life today, fellas. I'm going to be here and thinking about how sick the next like seven years of 155 is about to be because it's going to be delivering time and time again for us, for you, for everyone. It's going to be great. So let's enjoy. Well said. Well said. Congratulations, Jalen Turner, for getting back on track. Uh, congratulations, Davis Figueredo. Looked pretty damn good at 135 against Rob Fawn. He, he looked awesome. So uh, a lot of the narratives, a lot of the questions we had, uh, Davis Figueredo answered those. So it's going to be really interesting to see what he, what he gets next. I think the Otno pick is super easy. I think if AK and I don't have a friends forever moment, with Figueredo in his next fight, I think something's terribly wrong. Maybe we're not best friends after all. Maybe Shaheen and I are just the ones who are best friends because he's absolutely right. If you follow him on Twitter, is, what the next fight should be for Figgy Smalls. Uh, is it my favorite fight? Come what's on, your favorite do fight? It. Do it for me. Oh, no, it's not, it's not your favorite fight. Come on. Do it for me. Do it it's for not. me. Come on. It's not. Hey, listen. On. Cody's hey, fighting okay. next week. He's probably going to win. It's going to be great. Timelines okay, are perfect. Just, just do it. We could still do that. I'll, but see, all Figgy needs to do is lose once, and that fight is in play. Just one loss, and he's in play. If Cody, Cody just beats Kelleher next week. It's perfect. We're golden. All right. Hey, I don't hate. I don't hate that fight either. Uh, Sean Brady, great performance from him. He just dusted Kelvin Gaslam. That fight was not all. Kelvin Gaslam isn't good. <laughs> he's never been good. You, you were all confused. <laughs> been trying to I tell mean, you for literal years. Yes, you you said he was one of the. I don't know if he was the president of the Falling Upwards Club. Uh, I that he was the, and the thing you coined. It it was in fact the the title of the group. Um, him and uh, our our boy. Oh shit! Why am I blanking on his name right now? Darren Till. Sorry. Uh, he and Darren Till were the co captains of the Fall Upwards All Stars, and I think we may have finally people might finally be catching on to the fact that he's never very good. Legitimate question. Means this very seriously. What is Kelvin Gaslam's best win? Because I truly believe. No, I mean, yeah, that's a loss. I truly think that his best win 
Okay. I mean, that's his best performance, yes. But if his best win, I honestly think, is Rick Story an actual decade ago. Because everybody else he fought was, like, super old or not good. <laughs> like, hey, you beat Wash Johnny Hendricks, Wash Nate Marquardt, Wash Jake Ellenberger, Wash Michael Bisping, Wash Jacare, and Ian Heinish. <laughs> like, that's it. Is so he's just not good, and I don't. He tricked everyone by by hurting Izzy and almost kind of beating him that one time. And we're finally like, I think we're finally going to get to the point where we're like, oh yeah, we wanted more from him, and he just never got there, and that's okay. He's had a great career, if nothing else. Yeah, we also uh, had Joaquin Silva beat Clay Guida. We had Dustin Stoltz for start of the main card, uh, rear naked choke against Puna Soriano. And I want to bring Shaheen back in here because, like, that was just the main card that we're talking about that we just spent 36 minutes oh, she, on. And it's she crazy. Has to step out for a moment. She no, has she step out for a moment. Uh, the main card was crazy. The prelims are even crazier, Jed. We had Misha Tate coming through. We had Bellato and the duelist just dueling in the most fun way possible. We had Wellington Terman nearly put Jared Go- Jared Gooden out in the first round, but Jared Gooden comes back with basically one eye uh, to stop Wellington Terman. Jakar Close and Joe Selecki is going the way I actually kind of thought the fight was going to go. And then Jakar Close just kind of powerbombed Joe Selecki in the side of his head. And then it's, we didn't even have a chance to like let that all sink in. We didn't even have a chance to let that all sink in. And then Cody Brundage delivers his own powerbomb finish against Zach Reese. This is a wild card, Jed. I know we're, we're prisoners of the moment in this sport a lot, but this is a wild freaking card, wasn't it? Car was great, man. Like, we talked about a lot in the pre-show. Like, I gave this two Mishulin stars. I thought that this was a very, very good card. Um, one of the better Fight Night cards on paper. And the thing that was specifically said was the main card is great. The undercard little underwhelming there was honestly looking at it on paper there was a really big opportunity for a lot of these fights to go to less interesting decisions when you sort of looked at the names fighting and kind of the way they get down like god bless your close for what he pulled off there but the the man is not like a finish machine most of his wins are by decision and in fact ak was hitting me up like during the fights like man looking at this there are a lot of these dudes who might just have like super boring fights and then jared gooden a dude who's not like thrilling pulls one out jacar close the cody bungage doing the same thing like there was i mean misha tate julia avila the over under was two and a half and i think the over was like pretty heavily juiced like there were but it all of these fights delivered and were fun. And so that's like, uh, that just juices up even more. And then the main card lived up to expectations. Look, uh, Stolvitz Soriano was probably just sort of, it was always odd man on this card in general, but the rest of the main card was sort of exactly what you wanted to see. Joaquin Silva, Clay Guida had a really fun fight. Uh, Sean Brady looked amazing. You know, Figgy Smalls looked amazing. And, and the fight was quite fun with Rob Font. Like this was... If you went to this event, you feel great. You definitely feel like you got your money's worth. If this had been a pay-per-view, you would have felt okay about spending 80 bucks on this or whatever, I think. Uh, I mean, this was an unmitigated win for the UFC this evening. Yes, it was a, it was a hell of a car. We're going to take questions in a second. By the way, uh, Dana White did have a press conference because he announced the bonuses and, and discussed it all. Uh, he was asked about the co-leader, 
PFL slash Bellator. My hat's right there. Uh, get it. Here's. Yep, go get your hat. Uh, you get the reaction. Uh, this is what, according to Damon Martin on Twitter, who's watching the press conference. Um, it's effing hilarious. One shitty organization that sells no tickets and nobody watches buys another shitty organization that sells no tickets and nobody watches. Sounds like an effing winner to me. There's Dana's reaction to the co-leader, uh, PFL Tour. There you go. Go complete I mean, no-sell job as he should. I I hate what he's saying about uh, you know our company. Um, I mostly hate that he's not wrong. <laughs> Like again, I think the purchase was good, uh, particularly because they didn't actually spend any money. They spent fake dollars to acquire this. They legitimately paid for it in monopoly money. So, like, it's it's fine. It's a free acquisition, basically, and they got better. uh, But the core concept that he is pitching there is correct. Neither of those entities make money. In fact, they both lose a pretty decent amount based on reporting and our general understanding of how this goes. Um, They know that the PFL is aware of that. They're fine with it. Like that's baked into the business model for them. But uh, he's right. And, you know, it – I hate to keep circling back to this particular point, but – our, our our buddy Don Davis, again, just sort of looks silly when he says things like, I know Dana White's losing sleep. Like, <laughs> you are inviting this scenario to happen. And even if you were correct in this, which you are not, but even if you were correct, it is still a probably a bad look for you to have the co-leader with you at MMA dismiss your entire existence and mock you. Like, that's probably not ideal publicity so yeah uh dan's not wrong and that's kind of lame but uh we're gonna get there you know five years let's go boys we'll be we'll be co-leading the hell out of this thing well i mean five years is not as long as you think it is so better make some moves and make them quickly because otherwise yowzer yowzer look all right pfl if you want to make some moves get give him a boy Mikhail Bobo, me and him in the smart cage, baby. Let's go. Or just watch BTL and do what we told you to I do. Would, I, I would pay so year. much money to have Mike Bobo come on BTL. I would not answer a single question, and I would berate him relentlessly for four rounds. <laughs> oh, I love it. Fraud. Uh, <laughs> let's uh... – Let's hear from the peeps. Let's get a few questions from the peeps. Uh, BKFC is just bloody and violent and crazy, as well, we all sure is. What? Yeah. <clears throat> Bkfc do- is always on brand, and that's like you gotta love that about them. I know like, nothing about Bellator these two guys. Was on brand a lot because the brand was being crappy, and so like they hit their brand in bad ways. BKFC's brand is much more fun, and they're oh, always yeah. on it. It's basically also, like a forty-two-year-old guy beating up like a fifty. It looks like a fifty-one-year-old. I was gonna say these two dudes are, and he loves it. These two dudes are old men. They are yes. old men. This dude doesn't even look anywhere close to what he looked like when he first got there. Bridger Bursier, uh just got honestly. Bridger Bursier kind of looks like Mike Bobo, and he kind of looks like how Mike Bobo would look if I got five minutes in a, a blacked-out room with him, like just. <laughs> This is just a preview for the watch party right now. This is a sneak preview, what you're seeing, what you're hearing right now. Yes, it's going to be super fun. It's going to be super fun. All right, I'll take a couple couple questions and then uh, 
Yeah. Should Misha Tate be in we're, line we're for no a title shot? She looked great. Come Shocked on. it was the feature period. Come on, Joseph. Come on. I mean, so it's not the most insane thing just because women's bantamweight is a fake weight class. Uh, but, I mean, beating Julia Avila, who hasn't fought in like actual 30-some-odd months. Like actual 30-some-odd months. Uh, and who even in the UFC's rankings is like – I think 14 or something like really not even close to being highly ranked. No, uh, the answer is very, very obvious. And if this isn't on Otno tomorrow, I'd be shocked if neither of you wildcarded this. It's you run back Holly home. Like it's, yeah. it's long past she time. Was, she was sitting in the front row. She was right there. It's the only long past make. time we do that. And then if you want to have the winner of that fight for a title, sure. <laughs> like it would be kind of dumb, but whatever. No. No, 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 no. One of them fights. The winner of that gets has to fight like one more, like a, at worst one more. Like I guarantee you, the winner of that fight gets a title fight because who else are they going to put in there? I mean, we don't know. We don't know. Pennington and MBS are going to fight for it. The pain is going to fight for it, and then it's a wasteland. So yeah, but that. But yeah, I mean, just do that fight. That's the fight. Yeah. Do that fight at three hundred. I don't care. I mean, are you, are you confident we're going to get two women's bantamweight fights in twenty twenty four? You feel like that's possible? Ban- like just bantamweight fights or bantamweight title title fights? Sh- title fights. Yeah, we'll probably get a second one because we're going right. to get the first one so early. There's so much time in 2024, you know. But none of these fighters are all that active. I mean, it sh- should be- there be hope that MBS wins? Because she's kind of – she's probably the most active fighter of all of them. I mean, there should be hope that she wins because she's the only person who's fun in this weight class right now. <laughs> wow. If I'm lying, prove me wrong. Uh, how high is Figgy's ceiling at 135, Jed? It's <sighs> a really good question. Um, I assume it's not that high just because he's 35. You can't be old in lighter weight classes. We've all seen the stats on sort of how that works. But I will say I was super impressed by this performance. I had a lot of questions. I thought, I thought coming in that if he was going to win, it would basically look like this. This is sort of the way to beat Rob Font. If you hit him real hard, he is insanely durable. But he's his durability is one where he's not impossible to hurt. He's just impossible to finish. You can hurt him, and then he just fights through the, the problems, but he loses rounds we've saw that with cheeto we saw it with jose aldo it's like a pretty recurring thing and figgy was able to basically do exactly the same thing i wondered how he'd manage the size looked okay like rob font is certainly a big dude um maybe not the thickest bantam weight but he's long he's rangy figgy managed the the size very well the speed was clearly a huge weapon for him and his power carried up and that's always a big big question in situations like this if the power doesn't carry up when your game is built around that particular weapon, like you then have to change it entirely. Uh, straight up, that is why Connor is not a very good lightweight. His power does not carry. Um, Figgy's did, and that's, you know, Font is certainly getting older. Maybe that's some of it. Um, I'd be interested to see him kind of keep working through this, but look, that dude is a hammer. He is going to give anybody a competitive fight. I suspect he probably caps out around you know top 10 ish somewhere in the mid top 10 area i doubt he's gonna really you know beat like a henry cejudo or somebody like that but um it's great i love to see it super happy to see him here there are a ton of really fun fights for him i hope we get them quickly because i don't know how much like how much time he has left given his age um at a weight class like this but 
It was awesome. Great performance. How did yep. you score the first two rounds? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I gave the first one to fight, but I gave the first round to Font, um, but I was not really confident about it. Um, and I gave the second to Figgy, and then the third didn't matter. Third didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. The right um, I, I think, I think on rewatch, it's probably one of those rewatches where I'm like, maybe this should just be thirty twenty seven. Uh, I don't think there's any world where Font gets a scorecard, like should get a scorecard. Um, and I don't have any issues at all with the thirty twenty seven for Figgy. Yeah, I had yep. thirty twenty seven also. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I scored the first round for Fawn at first glance too, but I wasn't married to that card at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, By the way, it's Figgy versus Piotr Jan, and no other fight makes sense. Continue. I think that's a terrific fight, but no, obviously Cody Garbrandt makes sense because <laughs> I've been wanting that fight for quite some time. Look, he can fight Piotr Jan a week later. It'll be okay. We know what will happen in that fight. Um, I just want to see it happen. <laughs> Uh, there's a world where it can. It's going to be great. I know Mike. I think I honestly think that's the fight that's going to get made, assuming Cody wins next weekend. Would that be going backwards for Figgy? I mean, yes. But he will be ranked in the UFC's rankings, but it is the former champion. Garbrandt, to some extent, defies rankings in that regard, but it'll definitely be going backward for him like to, in most situations. Okay. Um. I know Mike is very big into the callouts, and I want to. We got to talk about this callout, which was might have been the best callout of all of 2023. Jakar uh, Close. Shout out Jakar Close. Give that man the easiest fight in the UFC so he can get his win bonus. So perhaps so I got look, lost in That's A plus stuff right there, man. A plus. Also, plus. Are, are we at the co main event in BKFC? It's no not way. the co main event. No, we, we're. we're, the, we're it's. Rivera thought, Stevens I, isn't the co-main. No, it's like the fifth to last fight. Oh, oh okay. Um, gotcha. Topology oh, yes, is ordered incorrectly. Then the order, like, yeah. Yeah. don't go by the order on topology. Yeah. It's not, that's not the bad yeah. order. Rivera's in the that's ring. Right. Stevens uh, walking to the ring. Yeah, I think we get the heavyweight fight, and then we have all the title fights still as well. So, I thought. So what I th- here's what I thought Drakkar Close was doing, and maybe I just like misheard it. Because even in our Slack channel, I was like, just say his name, dude. I thought he was like, give me the easiest guy in the uh, – give me the easiest guy in the UFC. And I thought he was going to like call it Patty. I thought it was a Daniel Cormier call out. Yeah, I that's the I thought. easiest fight in the division. But it turns Brian out that he's – so, so what he said was, yeah, just give me the easiest guy. I'm here to make money. Like that's it? If that's the case, then I respect it. But that's I thought he was like – I thought he was insinuating – like Patty, but then didn't say his name. And I was like, mm. you know what I mean? I, I kind of thought Saru's going. Or it's something I, planned, but it, yeah, I, I it, guess it, I was it, totally like, wrong. Just give me easy fights and let me make my paycheck. I like, which, Fair. A guy, that, know, going a guy that, that knows way, where he's at in the division. I like it. If he was going that way, he did it so poorly that it worked out seamlessly because it did <laughs> just feel like he was just calling for easy paychecks. And, buddy, I respect the hell out of that. Like that's – more, more fighters need to do that. Let me be the guy who welcomes contender series people. I get paid the same and they are trash. I'm going to reach out and try to interview him this week because I need to know. I want to know the answer to this question. But yes, if that's Jimmy the case, Rivera then I respect mean right now, boys. Is that fight starting right now? Or is it the No, they're doing yeah. the announcements. Oh, okay. It's about uh, Jimmy to. Rivera looks like he's trying to hurt somebody in just a second. So we're gonna so we have a watch party, correct? For this? We're gonna do a watch party, yep. All right. Um 
you know do we have any more uh, if we have one more question we'll take it if not we'll we'll be done uh one last one last question one last question let's talk about the actual fights the main event will dustin give armin the shot he's coming off a loss and has to fight down islam as his next two fights line up already dustin and armin are both att guys so i'm sure they train together i'm sure they know each other i'm not saying that they could never fight but one i don't see why dustin would take that fight anyways and two i don't know do, do you think dustin poirier would fight armin surukin Jen, unless know. he is specifically offered a title sh shot with the win, then maybe. But even then, I'm not like he just doesn't have to fight dudes that he even sort of trains with. So it would have to be such a major incentive for him to do so. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think Dustin just fight at 300 and I think you should do Jim Miller. Um, but you could do any number of things at UFC 300 for Dustin and he can just kind of spin his wheels while he hopes that Nate Diaz comes back or something more opportune opens up. But I I think there's, um, I won't say zero, but I'll say 0.1% chance Yeesh. that that fight would ever happen. That's disappointing, but yeah, I get it. Yeah, Is I mean, Armin, the fight would be sick, but yeah. Is Armin at that Dustin's point? just not going to fight those dudes, any of them. Is any division like the UFC lightweight division where once you get that top five, we basically never you just become a ghost. We just we just nope. remember your fights. Nope. <laughs> Welterweight, I mean, maybe. <laughs> kind of. Every every division at various points well, not every division, middleweight probably never had it, but like there are several divisions where it kinda had it, but or like maybe there's one or two dudes, but it just can happen so much at lightweight because you can only pull that off if you are a star. You can't be Benil Dariush and doing that. Like, they will make you fight someone. But Lightweight has just had so many stars. Like, Gaethje is a star. Michael Chandler is a star. Dustin Poirier is a star. They can just sort of call the shot in that regard. And to some extent, it all tracks back to Connor and the way he warped this weight class. I'm not saying that negatively in this instance, so I often blame Connor for stuff. But no, it's just... It's, it's just what happens when... By virtue of getting to the top of that mountain, people know you because it's impossible to get to the top of the mountain. And so once you're there, why would you fight backwards? Gaethje did it once because he had to. And Poirier, they have never they haven't made Poirier do it. I guess you can count that Dan Hooker at the time was doing it, but that was a while ago at this point. And he's never gonna do it again, because he should never do it again. Yeah, he doesn't have to. Yeah. Right. Which is like, again, it is lame because I want to watch Benoit Saint-Denis fight all these dudes. I want to watch Jalen Turner fight all these dudes. Um, we'll never get those, so that's a bit of a bummer. But fortunately, we have eight sick lightweights who are 30 or under. We're going to get plenty of dope things happening. Yeah, buddy. Lightweight rules, hey, guys. I, it's, so, I, it's so good. It's I so got to say, the, light, the lightweight division is – it's. I'm a, I'm a bantamweight so guy, but the lightweight division, it's it's the it's best. So like, yeah, yeah. I, Look, I just, I'm not. I, 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 I I'm just not even going to have the argument about the, better I weight class. I don't need to have that argument. I I honestly think light the next like three years of lightweight is going to be the most fun weight division. In the I think it could world, be, but they're not going to freaking fight each other. They're not going to. I think fight I think the whole crop of new dudes are going to fight each other. I hope so. It's and I. And the reason why I love bantamweight bantamweight division because it wasn't just great in the UFC; it was great in other organizations. So I'm hoping PFL Latour. That is 
their lightweight division because they have a good lightweight division now with mm-hmm. all the Bellator guys and you know I hope they will that can become something too but um, I'm just fingers crossed it can because there's no shortage of sick lightweights out there in the world to pick up and add to the mix like True. dudes walking around at 180 pounds are all over the place that's just <laughs> that's why the weight class is good like yeah, a yeah. lot more 180 pound dudes than 250 pound dudes you know yep uh, Mr. Heck I think we're good I think we're Wrap ready, it up. ready for that watch party all right, so, we're gonna do a BKFC watch party like literally in five minutes. So Jimmy five minutes. Looks so up. small. He's doing really good Am in this I, fight, though. He is. Am I on this watch party or not? Oh yeah. So basically, like Casey and I are just gonna roll, and then like if people, because I know that people have to do like UFC coverage and stuff. Um, when people I'm like ready to hop the main in, event for BKFC. Yeah, when people like what? just want to hop in, they could just hop in. And we're just gonna have I love fun. It. That's how it's Free gonna form. work. Shooting from the it's gonna head. be a wide, open door. It's just gonna be an open door. It's gonna be a good time. But that's what we're about to do. So join us. Uh, we'll be able to watch the tail end of at least probably the whole second half of Jimmy Rivera versus Jeremy Stevens, and then we get Mike Perry versus Eddie Alvarez at the end, and Mike Bobo uh, is gonna be the offensive coordinator of the year at the college football year end award. So you know what's sad? He is in fact up for that, and I wanna puke. Fire this man. Fire. <laughs> if he him. wins it. If he wins, that might be my new favorite moment of 2023. Someone but. screenshot this and send it to Kirby. <laughs> oh man. All right, join us for the watch party for BKFC live next. For Casey, for Shaheen, for Jed, I am Mike Heck. We'll see you in like three minutes. Love y'all. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.